KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, Everett, Washington, which is right there near the border of uh, Canada and, and, and the United States, there is a coffee place, like a Starbucks, and the baristas wear bikinis. I guess it doesn't matter how good the coffee is, right? It's like down here we have, uh, what, topless maids? I mean, literally, I see a, a truck, big pink truck with a sign, topless maids, I think $99 to come out and clean your house. Does anybody care? Uh, it doesn't matter. They could just sit there for two hours, and the guys who hire them don't care. Well, I'm assuming the same thing. It doesn't really matter how good or bad the coffee is, the bikini-clad baristas. Well, uh, the city council got a little pissed off, didn't like it, and passed two ordinance, ordinances that required baristas to cover, quote, minimum body areas, which effectively banned uh, these coffee stands, right? Because you couldn't... Uh, You'd be in violation, or these women would be in violation. Uh, and the problem is minimum body areas. What the hell is that? So as a result of these ordinances, seven bikini baristas and the owner of a chain of these coffee stands, uh, the chain is called Hillbilly Hotties. Does it matter how good the coffee is? Probably not. So they sued the city. And they argue that the ban passed by the city of Everett denies bikini stand employees the ability to communicate through their attire or lack of attire. The ordinance is vague, confusing, and unlawfully targets women. Now, one of the things about laws, when a law is attacked, one of the rules is it cannot be vague. It cannot be confusing. It has to have specificity. Let me give you an example. Uh, you, The speed limit is, we'll tell you what the speed limit is, sort of what you can drive. Uh, that's a little vague, isn't it? So it's it's tough. And so they successfully argued that. That is confusing, unlawfully targets women. Now, the city came back and said these coffee stands have a history of prostitution, sexual assault, and masturbation. I, you know, does anybody like coffee that much? I mean, I, got, I, mean, I like my coffee, but, you know, really? Masturbation? And... Uh, also, the exploitation of the bikini bar- baristas. I've always loved that, the exploitation of the bikini bar- baristas. I love people that come in and will decide for others what exploitation is. I've had a history of that in surrogate parenting. Uh, the anti-surrogate parenting folks say that I am exploiting surrogate mothers and have for over 30 years. And when I come back and say, well, uh, let me put it this way. This is about as voluntary as you can possibly get. Doesn't matter. They're exploited even if uh, they agree to it or they come to us, which is what happens. So there's a whole world to that. So uh, guess what happened? A U.S. district judge. uh, They uh, said the bikini baristas can stay pending a trial. This was a uh, this was a preliminary injunction uh, that uh, they that the, the baristas had saying that the ordinance has to stop. Right now cannot be enforced. The judge said, you're right. Uh, the, the, uh, in, the ordinance cannot be enforced. The baristas can dance around with their bikinis making bad coffee. And the reason that the injunction uh, is not being granted is it looks like the baristas are going to succeed on the merits of their case. Why? 
because the judge who hears the case is likely to consider the law vague and in violation of the Equal Protection Clause. It has to be specific. The judge also found that the ban likely violates the First Amendment. First Amendment, freedom of expression, which I guess wearing a bikini is freedom of expression. Although it could be argued that masturbating in a coffee shop is also a freedom of expression because that's the way you express yourself, that you like coffee. Uh, no, no, that's not really right. Uh, you can't do that. But anyway, um, they won. And uh, that law is going to collapse. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, hi, John. Welcome. Yes, sir. I bought a I bought a house about uh, seven years ago, and I was never disclosed that it had a septic tank. Uh, I'm I've been having plumbing issues, and I did some uh, had a plumber come. He found the septic tank, and it's it's he he decided it needs to get replaced. Okay, hold on a minute. So you were uh, it was a working septic tank, so you were not connected to the sewer. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And you never knew about it. Never knew about it. And they never said that there was a septic tank there? Nope. And I looked through all my paperwork from my loan and everything. It never, it doesn't say anything about septic tank or anything on it. Uh, you know what? I'm trying to think uh, if uh, escrow papers and sales agreements say you're connected to the sewer or not. And I don't know the now, answer. When I, when I did a, a refinance about three years ago on the... Uh, on the appraisal form, it says it's hooked to the sewer. Ah, okay. So your understanding is the sewer. Okay. So you have right. to replace the septic tank. I, that gets interesting. And how much money are you talking about here, John? Uh, I, I haven't got a quote yet, but it's going to be in the, it's going to be in the thousands. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, and so the only issue here is going to be the statute of limitations. Nothing else. Uh, because clearly it, this was misrepresentation. They never told you. They should have told you uh, that there is a septic tank. Did they ever say that it was, and you even were told that it's connected to the sewer, right? I can't recall if they, other than what I saw in the, in the, in the appraisal for the. Refinance. Okay, but the appraisal says that you're connected to the sewer and you were not, correct? Correct. Okay, and that's the appraisal for the refi. Refi, yeah. yeah, you've got there's a there's a, yeah there's all kinds of who's who's responsible who's liable because you already own the property, right? And to have been told that three years ago that's uh, no harm no foul because you you still had the septic tank instead of the sewer. So uh, what uh, the appraiser did is uh, I mean he was just wrong, but it didn't cause you any damage. Right, but I was never it was never disclosed that it. it was no, I get it, I get it. It's uh, the point is when you bought the property. Right, and it was never right. disclosed. So the whole issue, and that was seven years ago. So the whole issue is a statute issue. So right. you you get to call a uh, construction defect attorney to find out where right. you sit because there's all kinds of law involving that because that's construction law, and you can go to handleonthelaw.com, the website, and just talk to one of these guys. We have plenty who uh, practice that kind of law. This is handle on the law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. 
This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Mike. Mike, you're up. Yes. Yes. I got a ticket in Long Beach driving a commercial vehicle, and uh, the short story is the wrong information on the ticket. I'm wondering if it'll stand up in court. What kind of wrong information? So I was... uh, I got pulled over on the 710 right on the highway. I get out of the truck. He calls me up. I give my license. He says, go get your registration insurance. I go back to my truck. It's locked. When I got out, I locked the truck. So I couldn't get any of the binder information. So then I went back, and, you know, I was upset and whatever. And he's still trying to fill out the ticket, and he's asking me what kind of year the truck is. I didn't know because it's not my truck. It's a company truck. So I told him, but it was the wrong year I gave Oh, no, you're – no, Mike, that's not going to fly. Not gonna fly. No, of course not. You're the one that told. You're the one that told him the year, and he relied on it. So how is he going to know if he doesn't have the information? What year? How is he going to be responsible for figuring out what year the right. truck is? Right, but I mean, I told him I didn't know. I was. I get it. Time. So you don't know. That's fine. Okay. So yeah. it was approximate. And he relied on you. You are so out to lunch on this one, Mike. <laughs> you are so screwed. I can begin to tell you, you are screwed beyond screwed. Uh, hey, Jeff, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill, you, uh, a while ago you recommended that I sue the person that ran into me, so I did, but they didn't pay. Okay. So now what you do have I to, do now? It's you, been over 30 days. Yeah, you now get to the joys of trying to collect. So you can do a couple of things. You can do an examination of a judgment uh, debtor and haul him in front of, uh, not so much a judge in front of you, and just ask about assets, or he can do an asset search. And, or if uh, he's working, uh, do you happen to know if uh, the debtor is working or not? He's a taxi driver. He rear-ended me. Uh, so I know he's got a job. Um. Okay. Do you know what company he works for? I do, yeah. All right. Then you can uh, issue a, a garnishment of his wages. Just go is that on, easy to do? Uh, not hard. Just go on the uh, Just go on the Internet. And find out. You do it You do it with the, the marshal's office. They serve it on the employer. And uh, you, I mean, it's going to take you a few months to get the money, but uh, it still it goes into an account with the sheriff's office, and then you get the money. But they take a percentage of his paycheck until a judgment is paid off. Sorry, so All right. that, would be the, that would be the easiest way for you to go on that one. Uh, hey, James. Hey, how's it going? Yes, sir. Um, my question, uh, and I have a quick story. Hopefully you can hear it all. Uh, my bank is still coming after me for uh, my credit card they owed. Now, last year, October, I called the bank said, hey, uh, how much to pay my credit card off completely? They told me $168. Okay, good. It's zero. Bye-bye. Six months later, five months later, I get a call saying, no, you owe this much money. How much money so, do you owe? Um, at the time, they said, uh, I can't remember the amount, but... Uh, they went back through the tapes and said, all right, our man told you wrong. Okay. Um, you actually now owe 55 $50? Yeah. Okay. And how so, much of that is uh, interest? Uh, I'm not sure. Find out but, how much is interest. Find out if there's a penalty, and then just pay the rest. And it's not going to be but, anywhere but near here's, $50. Here's the thing. They, so I paid that off. So this is my second time paying it off to zero. Uh, four months later, they come back and say, Hey, um, you owe this much money. Now it's like two hundred and eighty. Oh yeah, yeah. It's time to go. Yeah, and have you called anybody on this? Um, I googled it, and I, I don't know which 
person to talk, which uh, lawyer or attorney. You're not going to talk to an attorney. No, no one cares for $200, James. Uh, what you have to do is start writing emails and find out. You want to go to customer service is what you want to do. Or what you want to do is call the credit card company and just go, I want to speak to a supervisor. This is crazy. I have. And the supervisors and are t- telling you you're out of luck? Basically saying, well, now you have to pay this amount. No, 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 no. You say, yeah, you, you say you're disputing it. So when you tell the supervisor this is the third go-round, they say just pay it? Yeah. That's weird. Okay. It's, been, it's, it's ruined my credit. It's been there for a whole year, and I expected it to be paid off uh, October yeah. of last so year. So you've got to do emails, and you have to go right into customer service. That's and then would I, how, um, how would I take it? Is there like, more legal action? No, 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 no. Wow. You just have them waive the fee and uh, take off uh, the negative, uh, the ding on your credit report. That's what you have and to they do. Can, they go, go back that whole year and make yeah. it? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you do I, that. Yeah, yeah, do all of that, yeah. That's weird. Third time, never heard of that. Never, but no, okay, it happens. Glad it happened to him and not to me. Uh, hey, Alan. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, tax, uh, legal alien, green card, and then got citizenship. And she's had some legal problems. It's curious if her citizenship can be revoked. No. Okay. No. The only so way her citizenship going. can be revoked if she obtained her citizenship uh, uh, committing a fraud for the purpose oh, okay. of getting the citizenship. Otherwise, uh, she could get the death penalty, and she's not going to be uh, – she, she is not oh. going to be uh, deported. Well, that gives her much more room to sniff, then, I guess. I guess it it certainly does. This is Handle on the Law. Oh, it's Saturday night. This is KFI AM640. We're simulating talk Bill Handle Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Phone numbers, 800 520 one KFI 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Hey, Francis. Welcome to Hi. Handle on the Law. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yes. Um, I have an uncle who bought some, purchased some commercial property in Los Angeles County, and he rented one unit to a silk screening type business. That's what the contract says. And this was in January of this year. And that tenant made it a marijuana dispensary in an unincorporated part of L.A. County, which is apparently illegal. So now he's being sued by the county, and he doesn't know what type of lawyer to obtain. Okay, wait a minute. It's, uh, it's illegal for uh, the marijuana dispensary where he is? Apparently, yes. Oh, okay. They said that it's like him, him not... Fair business practices, okay, some got, kind of code violation. Okay, so uh, I think what he has to do, first of all, he has to file for the eviction uh, to evict the tenant out of there uh, because okay. he, because what he's doing is engaging in an illegal business. And uh, and the lawsuit has already been filed against him by the yes. county. It's time to Correct. call, it's time to call uh, the county attorney and uh, say, I am uh, evicting this man because I didn't know that what he was doing. Here's a copy of the lease. It was supposed to be a, uh, a silk screen screen company. He did this without my permission. Can you please hang on to the um, the lawsuit and uh, put it on hold? I think that's the way to do it. I would hire an attorney. It doesn't it's any any civil attorney it would work and okay. uh, and negotiate that. But I, I don't think he's in a lot of trouble. And uh, at this point, I'm willing to bet 
that the county believes that he is part and parcel of uh, changing it over. And as soon as they find out that he's not, I think they'll be fine with that. But he should, okay. but he should hire an attorney. Should he call the attorney? Have the attorney call the? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, yeah. He'll. Uh, the attorney will probably uh, evict the tenant as well as start negotiating with the county. Right. Okay. Okay. You can go to handleonthelaw.com, grab an attorney. Uh, that's fairly easy uh, to do. Uh, hey, Brendan. Welcome. Yes, sir. I have a cat that was sitting in his backyard uh, about a week and a half ago, and a neighbor's dog got loose, came into the backyard to an open gate, and uh, killed the cat. And I was wondering if there's anything small claims or any type of lawsuit. Yeah, there probably is. The problem is, is uh, first of all, a cat is property. I mean, that's it. Unfortunately, that's what cats are. They're property. So yeah. uh, what uh, the dog did is uh, uh, effectively take away your property by killing the cat. Uh, what kind of cat was it? It was a uh, Turkish Angora. Oh, oh, hold on. Is it Now, was this cat worth some money? Was it a purebred cat? Purebred, no paperwork, but you know he was eighteen years old. Oh yeah, I was good. Yeah, I mean, good luck. The problem is there's no paperwork, so you can't prove the value of the cat. You can't bro- prove that it was uh, uh, that it was purebred, and so what you have is an eighteen year old cat uh, that has, um, I would say, virtually no value. Uh, it's um, eighteen. I don't know. Cats last eighteen years. Uh, well, this. Yeah, I took care of him over the years. Now, pain and suffering, anything. Yeah, nobody cares about pain and suffering, losing a cat. There's not much there, especially an 18-year-old cat. It was about to die anyway, Brendan. I guess so. I think he had a couple of years left of him. How do you know? I've never heard of a cat going 20 years. How they? And by the way, you're going to testify that he had a couple of years left in him. And let's say you're in small claims court and you're, well, no, it wouldn't be small claims court because they don't give pain and suffering. So let's say you come up with pain and suffering and you file a superior court uh, suit and you're going to uh, now say he had a couple of years left in him. And the question is, how do you know, Brendan? How was veterinary school for you? How well did you do? Well, I'm telling you this, though. All the years of money and doctor bills I put into this animal to prolong his life. Yeah. Now, uh, Nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. Well, he was a good dude anyway, but I just felt upset. I no, I, I, no, I, no I, I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, in any way make light of it. Well, actually, I am. But, no, I understand. Uh, people can get really connected to the cats. Uh, my daughter has a cat, and uh, it, uh, it got pretty sick. And uh, so she doesn't have the money, so I was paying the vet bills. And it finally reached the point where I looked at her and said, uh, the cat's got to die. I'm just done. You know, just let the cat die. And uh, it didn't work out that way, of course. I ended up writing more checks. But, no, the bottom line is there ain't nothing there. Uh, Hey, Enrique. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, how are you, Handle? Uh, I have a commercial lease uh, in place, and uh, the owner is 84. She is splitting. She's getting a divorce. And the husband holds one half... uh, of the property, which is consists of a building of ice cream cones, and the other building is a bakery, and she handles the bakery, and he handles the ice cream ice cream cones. Nothing says 
Otherwise, in the court, if they can rent or do anything else, they have the court up to the 30th of this month. So my question is, uh, can she rent a place without well, any... Wait a minute. Wait, I'm confused. Uh, are, they're in the middle of a divorce right now, and there's nothing the court has said, or I'm, I'm a little confused as to the way this is working. Uh, yeah, they've been going for months, uh, for a year and a half. All right, who owns, or is the property owned by both of them? No, the property is owned by only uh, she, only her uh, properties are being inherited by the previous uh, marriage. Okay, so they, she's the owner of the, the owner. She, so she's the owner of the property. On title, yes. Okay, so what is your question? Can she rent it? She can do whatever she wants. She's the owner of the property. Perfect. Okay. All right. That was my question. Bill. Okay. Excellent. Hey, Debbie. Welcome Hello. to Handle on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Uh, two years ago, I fell over a four-story balcony and landed on a car. Wow. And you're and, you, yes. and you're and you're alive to to talk about it. How, how the hell did that work? Uh, the grace of God. I'll bet. How badly? Yeah. How badly were you banged up? Really bad. I broke my back in two places: my neck, punctured lungs, uh, st- uh, traumatic brain injury. Holy moly! Broken leg. Yes, all, all forty-three bones were broken. Jeez. One month. One month in the hospital. Three months in boarding care. Okay. And I, I've lost my ability to work. I, I'm disabled. Yeah. My question is. Uh, so the balcony wasn't up to code. It didn't collapse. I went over it because it wasn't up to code. Wait, wait hold on a minute. Was it? Uh, what does that mean? Not up to code? Uh, was uh, well, it, the balcony it, it was not? It was not high enough. The rail? Yes, correct. Oh. Yes. And uh, we lost the summary judgment because the uh, the defendant. The landlord's attorney claims that I jumped off of it, so it wouldn't matter if I'm uh, what height it is, if I'm standing on top of it and jumped. I, I find that interesting because that's a question of fact, uh, because he says you jumped. You say you didn't jump, that you fell off. Uh, I don't know where a summary judgment uh, would lie here. That's kind of bizarre uh, because, well, yeah, go ahead. I lost the summary judgment. All right. Did you appeal it? No, I'm I'm uh, waiting to see if my attorney will appeal. Oh, you have to appeal. You have no choice, Debbie. Okay, so if I lose the appeal, yeah, is is, is my case over? Yeah. Oh, I can't get another attorney and try again. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. What a story, huh? Wow. Didn't sound like she was trying to kill herself, does it? Although, if you try to kill yourself and you don't succeed, is it try, try again? Or is it uh, the balcony? Well, you know what? I mean, that's, that's, that is a fact issue. You know, there's enough fact there that it should go to trial. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Phone numbers. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Hello, Robert. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay. 
So I was in a in a car wreck, and I was hit from behind. And my insurance company determined somehow that I was 70% at fault. When you were rear-ended, so I, right, Robert? Well, I was basically I was sideswiped from behind. Ah, okay. Well, you were sideswiped from behind. And how do they determine you were 70% at fault? That you're the one that swerved well, into the car? No, no, no. I was, I was almost at a complete stop. I was about to turn into a driveway. And so the the amount of room that I left between me and the curb was only for a bicycle because it's a high pedestrian area where there's a lot of where there's a lot of bike okay, traffic. So, and, okay, so I'm confused. And, Were you then sideswiped on the driver's side or the passenger side? Passenger. Okay, and there wasn't. You're saying there wasn't room for a car to even go in that area. No, because there's there's tire marks on the. On the curb, I took pictures of all okay. that and everything. All right. The thing is, the thing is, is that when when I I st- they started batting me back and forth to all these different agents, and finally I was talking to this one agent, and um, and he said he said I know where you were hit. And he goes, I'm looking at the pictures right now online, and he goes, I'll send them to you. And I said, okay, fine, send them to me. And when they, the pictures that they sent doesn't even show the the corner I was hit at. Okay. Okay, and I'm like, uh, well, how can you make a determination right. and use my statements, you know, and then come up with this place? I mean, it's impossible because I'm very, I was very clear where I was at. Okay, fair enough. Now, uh, what happened next, and what's your question? So, so then they send me a letter saying, well, no, you're only fifty-one percent uh, at fault, and I'm going, well, wait a minute, your your first investigation, if, even if it's not over, is suspect. Okay. I mean, you're. You know, and they still won't. They keep refusing to answer the question. They just keep throwing speculation with vehicle codes at me. All right, then you just, just let them let them just keep on throwing them at you, and you just keep on saying I'm a hundred percent not at fault. That's aim uh, because she wasn't a car accident where it was her fault as to one person, and then he saw what was happening, pulled in a parking lot, his car was all banged up, and uh, he put in a claim, and the insurance company paid and said my daughter was at fault. And we said, no, that's not true. And we went ahead and refused to accept it. I mean, just refused and just kept on going and arguing. And they finally caved. So, Robert, you just have to keep on going. It's that simple. Okay, so so I have I actually have a report that the city council just put out about bicycle safety because here in Santa Cruz, there's a high fatality and, and injury rate. And so I was going to throw that at him as, as proof of, like, I was being considered. I mean, all the emails I've thrown at him show all the pedestrian signs. All right, all, all right, so you keep on doing it. Robert, what part of it? You keep on doing it. Have they paid any money? No. Okay, well, have I they fixed what they paid him. Okay, it doesn't I matter just... what they paid him. Have you fixed the car? No. Is the car still a mess? They won't even, they won't even look at the at the at the collision okay. report. Is the car uh is the car banged up? Is it drivable? Oh yeah. You oh. can drive it. Okay. Then uh I think it's time for you to write a letter saying uh you've got to fix this car. You this is bad faith on your part, and you may even want to see an attorney to sue your own. I actually insurance. pointed that out to him. Uh, they don't care. They're, obviously, Robert, they don't believe you. Obviously, right. you got on the wrong side of every adjuster, which I don't understand. Well, I don't know. Either I don't know. Maybe they they're... hate. Maybe they hate you. I have no idea. I'm getting very close to hating you myself. So I don't well, know, Robert. You so much. You're welcome. Uh, all you can do is just keep on going and going, and just keep on arguing. I mean, there's not much else you can do, and you can get caught up with insurance companies. Oh my God. 
In my case, it was easy. Uh, well, actually, in Robert's case, it's easy. He has the photographic proof or the lack of photographic proof if they're relying on it. And that's exactly our case. What happened is a fellow said, here's the damage. And uh, the insurance company said, yep, here's the damage. And we had gone to uh, the body shop that the insurance company sent us. And here was the report. No damage on my daughter's car. How do you have damage to one car and no damage to the other car when you have a side swipe? Explain that one. And they went, it was great answer. Uh, uh, uh. There were four us on that one when I talked to the adjuster. And they already paid the guy. They wrote him a check for $1,100. Great. I don't care what they paid him. So uh, you just have to keep on going. And something's going on with, uh, you know, four adjusters. They bounce back and forth. I mean, how much? We're only talking a few thousand bucks. We're not talking about a $200,000 check that's being written. They're writing a quarter million dollar check. But how much can this cost? Okay, this is Handle on the Law. 